chapter number three, verses number four. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. I want to read this foundational scripture, and we'll come back and revisit it at the end. Uh, the great apostle Paul, he says, though I could have confidence in my own efforts, everybody shout my own effort. If anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Six declares, I was zealous. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of, the, of what Christ has done. Eight declares, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, <clears throat> for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Ten declares, I want to know, everybody shout, I want to know him. Come on, say it again, I want to know him. The Apostle Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to share with him, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection. I want to experience this power of resurrection from the dead. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you so much, God, for this opportunity to share the word of God with the people of God. Again, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they are acceptable in your sight. God, I don't want to minister this word out of, out of Greg, out of my own strength, but I need the power, uh, the zealousness of the Holy Spirit, God, to rest upon me and to minister through me today. God, I'm ministering to people that you love, so I'm careful in what I say and how I say. So I thank you, God, for the guardedness that you're giving me to be tender towards people you love. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says. So this is where I want to start out, man. Um, D, my man, glad to have you in the house, bro. Love you, love you, love you. I want to start out here with the story, man, that uh, God just kind of lifted um, in the book of Mark, chapter number 10, verse number 7. There's an interesting, this is not a parable. This is an actual story that transpired. And Mark chapter number 10, verse number 17, the Bible declares, and Jesus started on his way. A man, watch this, ran up to him and fell on his knees. Look, look at this, look at this passion, this eagerness, and this humility. He's running up to Jesus, and, and he's, he's, in a, he's in a begging, pleading position, falling on his knees. And look, look at what he's going to say and ask. He's going to say, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to in inherit eternal life? Everybody shout, that's a good question. That's a real good question because, I mean, let's be transparent. What's the juxtaposition of eternal life? It's eternal damnation. Now, we're not, as Christians, we're not shy about that. We, we're not shy about that. We, we understand that what the, the, the opposite of eternal life is eternal damnation. So this is a fantastic question that my man is all asking. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Eternal life is a matter of the heart. Eternal life, indeed, it is a matter of the heart. 
So after this question, everything that Jesus is going to say to him is going to be dealing with his heart. So the first thing that Jesus is going to say to him, watch this. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. In essence, Jesus is saying flattery, flattery won't get you into heaven. <laughs> Come on, somebody. The stuff that you used on other folks to be accepted, that ain't going to work here. So why are you calling me good? He's going to go on to say, verse number 19, you know the commandments. And again, Jesus is, he's etching at his heart because that's something that he wants to reveal in this young man in order for him to gain eternal life. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother, uh, your father and mother. Look, look at what he says. He says, hold on. All these I have kept since I was a boy. <laughs> okay. So, so in essence, in essence, here, here's my commentary thought on that. When it comes to saying and doing the right things to get approval, I've been doing that all my life. When it comes to saying the right things, doing the right things to win favor, acceptance, and approval with people, I've been doing that all my life. I remember in the seventh grade, some of the craziest stuff I was doing just to get approval from people. And it's crazy because it didn't stop in the seventh grade. It went through high school. It went through college. It went mo through most of my adult life. Some of the things that I did, watch this, not just because it was good to do or I should have been doing it. I know if I do these things, I will gain favor, approval, acceptance by people. So Jesus says, you know these commandments, do them. He says, I've been doing this all my life. But, but watch this, watch this. Verse number 21 is crazy because, yeah, Jesus gives him something that he's never had before. And today, Jesus is offering something for you all that possibly that you've never experienced in a human relationship. The Bible declares in verse number 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now pause there for a second. Ooh, Jesus looked at him and loved him. In essence, I can could, I could imagine this young man feeling uncomfortable because I'm not used to people loving me without wanting something from me. I'm not used to people accepting me and, 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 until I first do something that's pleasing to them. You mean to tell me that you just going to look at me for who I am, not what I got, not what I do, and you going to love me? The Bible declares Jesus looked at him and he loved him and he, he posed a very difficult scenario for this young man. Jesus says, one thing you lack, 21, go, <laughs> go sell everything you have, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. I, I want to I help. He, he says, now, now watch this. You, you can't make this particular story about money because it's not about money. It's about the thing that you possess in your life that you decree that gives you value. I want to, I want to, bring, bring me my box, sir. Bring me my box. Bring me my box. I want to help a couple people here. Because this like value-based deal, uh, uh, I've, I've lived this most of my life. Most of my life. And, and most of the accolades that, that I have received, the, the awards and all that other kind of stuff, I didn't do it just because it was the right thing to do. I didn't do it just because it was a good thing to do. I had to do it to feel valuable. So, so all, all of my awards, I got, I, got, I, got, I got three degrees working on the fourth one now. I got three degrees. I got a bachelor's and I got a ma two master's degrees. 
Watch this. Watch this. God ain't messed up that I got the masters. He's messed up that I had to have the masters. I ain't just got them. I had to have them because without this, I ain't nothing. Matter of fact, when I walk in the room, I walk in the room. Y- y- y'all ain't saying that. I walk in the room with my chest high. With this on my, you, you know who I am? What? You know who I is? He ain't messed up about the awards and, and all the plaques and all, the, all the, the, the letterman jackets and all the stuff that I, he ain't messed up that I got it. He's messed up that I had to have it. Because where I'm calling you to, I'm calling you to a place where you have to hinge your value on me alone, not what you have done. So he tells the rich young ruler, he says, it ain't about your money, but I just see that you use your money to get approval from people and to follow me, my God, today. To follow me, you got to devalue that and value me. So you mean to tell me everything that I've done, all of my achievements that I use as self-esteem boosters, and some of y'all do it right now. When you get low, you, you, you pull out your trophies. When you get low, you pull out your awards. When you get low, you go look at your accomplish, accomplishments. Because, but, I mean, come on, that's what the world tells you to do. They tell you, remember, girl, your life is valuable. Look what all you have accomplished. When Jesus just told this man that all the entrepreneurial endeavors that you've had, all the businesses that you have started, all the money that you've made that has caused influence to make you feel like you are somebody, I want you to take every dime of it and give it away. Go to the next scripture and look what happened to him and look what happened to some of y'all right now. What's the next scripture? What did it say? How'd a man go away? Who, who on the? Oh, Lord, Teresa on the bus. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Reese, you got to be on it, babe. I mean, it, it was like, mother, it was like the perfect setup because I was on, I, would, I was showing out. I wasn't even on the stage. I would like go to the next slide. Now, now go back, put it back on me. All the accomplishments, all the things that made the man valuable, Jesus told him to turn away. And look, 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 look how he walked away. Put it on the slide. <laughs> That's the way that bad boy was supposed to go. That's the way that was supposed to roll, all right? <laughs> Chad, I practiced that in my head. She messed me up, my man. <laughs> the Bible declares this man's face fell, and he walked away sad. Because, ooh, I do want eternal life. I don't want eternal domination. But I can't handle people not liking me and accepting me. Oh, let me say it plainly. I can't have just you loving me alone, Jesus. I got to have me a boo. Let me just, oh, since y'all get quiet, let me come on down here and deal with that. I got to have somebody in my life. I got to be busy. I can't stop. I got to be doing stuff because I can't handle you alone just loving me, Jesus. I got to have somebody. I'm going to turn this way. Some of the relationships y'all pursuing, some of y'all, some of y'all, not all y'all, but some of y'all, the relationship you're pursuing, it ain't about God's will for your life. It's about your loneliness. When relationships should be based on destiny, not, but not desperation. 
Let me say that again. Relationships should be based on destiny, not desperation. What's destiny? You have Abraham, father of many nations. He needs a Sarah, mother of many nations. It is destiny, not desperation. Because when you're desperate, you wind up you not just hooking up with anything, you wind up tolerating anything. Joker talking to you any kind of way, folk, folk treating you any kind of way, but because I'm desperate because I got to have it, I got to have you in my life. Baby, you ain't got to have nobody but Jesus. And anything beside Jesus is just a plus, it's just a bonus. Just in case you deserve my God today. So, so, so my man, so, so the thing, again, again, it's not about the money. It's about the thing that he decided that made him valuable. And in all of our lives, God is always after that one thing that you decided that makes you valuable. And he will ask you for it. And so he asked this man to, 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 you asked me for eternal life, I'm giving it to you. Eternal life is when you value me above what you. So the scripture declares, ooh, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the, for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Now, it's not about the money. Again, it's about these individuals who value their wealth above their relationship with God. And I, I esteem what this, these accomplishments, the benefits that they bring in my life. So 28, then Peter, and I like Peter. I really like Peter. I, I like him. I like him a lot. Because Peter ain't afraid to, even if he's wrong, he ain't, he ain't afraid to just say it. I like people around me who I know what's on their mind. <laughs> That's why I love my wife. Because <laughs> I always know what's on her mind. Why? Because you discern? No, because she tell me. Peter spoke up, and he said, hold on, G, ho, 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 wait, wait one minute. Now, now, I see what he did, but we left everything to follow you. God, help me to stay focused. We, Peter, Peter had his own fishing, not just a little boat, company, business, inherited business from his father, he had this. He had family. He had stuff. He had position. But when you said, when you pointed your finger and said, come follow me, I dropped my nets. The stuff that made me something, I left it in the boat. And I went and I followed you. So what, what about us? This is what Jesus said. Jesus says, truly, who I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for me and the gospel. Everybody shout for me and the gospel. No, 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 let me deal with that. God, can I, can I, yeah, I'm going to deal with that. So, so, eh, 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 eh. No, no one that has left this, left this home, mother, father, children, for, for the gospel, for the gospel, for the gospel. I ain't talking about left because you just want to leave. I'm not left for the gospel. Left for, I want to deal with something real quickly. And y'all, y'all pray for me. Pray for me. Because I had, and I usually don't do this. I usually just kind of sweep things kind of under the rug when people kind of throw stones at me. And if you're in the building, I love you. And I ain't got nothing. I don't know who you are. Don't nobody else know who you are. I, I just got an anonymous message 
um, that accused me of last week. Y'all don't say nothing, because I got some Peters in here that got swords. Put your sword up. Put your sword up. Put your, put just, it's cool, it's, it's all right. Somebody accused me of gay bashing. They said, they, they said I was gay bashing because I talked about my friend um, that I had to separate from because he chose to leave his wife and family for a man. Now, now let me just clarify that. First of all, you're dealing with a guy here that was molested as an eight-year-old kid. I'm talking about, about a grown, grown man. <laughs> you know, I ain't talking about no teenager. Grown, grown joker that knew what he was doing. And guess what? I wasn't the first, neither was I the last. In my family, it was the big elephant in the room. Everybody knew what he was doing, just scared to confront him. And I'm telling you right now, if you know of something that's going on, you need to open up your mouth and say something. You need to say something. So watch this. As an eight-year-old kid, that messed me up. It messed me up for a season. So I need you to hear me. I know what it's like as a little boy to have homosexual desires. Some of y'all like, hold on now, hold on now. Oh, I got the wrong church, yeah. I ain't studying none of y'all. I said, I know what it's like after this event. Eight-year-old kid to be tripping, crying, because I looked at one of my classmates. I'll never forget in gym, I'm in PE, and I'm looking at one of my classmates, and I'm crying because I feel an attraction to him. I've never felt that before. First of all, I want to thank God. I thank God. It's my, it may not be everybody's testimonies, but it's mine. I thank God that there was nobody around me that would explore or pervert that feeling. Thank God that he shielded me and he kept me from that. The second thing I want to thank God for is the fact that he delivered me from it. He, del he delivered me from it. How many know Jesus is still a deliverer? And I don't care what your attractions or what your desires are. I'm telling you today that God will deliver you. And watch this, watch this, watch this. Not just deliver you from the lifestyle, deliver you from the residue of the lifestyle. Because watch this, when I walk, baby, I walk like a man. Ain't no switching. The devil is absolutely a liar. He took the desire and watch this. All the residue that come with that lifestyle is gone. I need you to hear me just for a second. Y'all have a seat. Y'all have a seat. Y'all sit down. I want to tell you something. I understand. I do. I, Greg, Greg McGee, understand that anything that God delivers you from, the enemy always wants to take you back to it. And I'm telling you the devil, right? I'm telling the devil, Lucifer, and every last one of his angels, I will never go back to that. Ever. Now, that's my profession. Now, that's my profession. Now, that's my profession. Now, after your profession, what is your practice? Because y'all are some of y'all are professing something you ain't practicing. I ain't going to never drink again, but you hang around a bunch of drunks. I hear what you're saying, but your practice don't line up with what you're saying. So my buddy, my friend, who I love, and it was a very, very hard decision. It was a very, very hard decision. But the reality is, I don't care if he left his wife for a man or for another woman. I don't want that mess around me. Let me help you further. Let me give you a better definition. Let me give you a better scenario of holiness. Everybody shout holiness. Because I grew up in environments where holiness was how long your dress was. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because how many know it, it, it don't take, watch this, 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 watch this. It, it's not about the length of the dress, because a miniskirt or a long dress will come up. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all gonna do me like that? Let me tell you what holiness really is. Let me tell you what holiness is. This, this is holiness. This is holiness. If you have a dove on your shoulder and you want the dove to remain, aren't you careful with every step? This is holiness. Because I want, watch this, I don't want to grieve what's in me. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of careful with how I carry myself and how I move because I don't want what's on me to lift off. Are y'all with me in this place? So, so listen, I need you to hear my heart. I chill with saints and I minister to sinners. Now, the guys that are around me that are uncommitted to Christ, that don't love Christ, they will think that I chill with them. But here's the difference between ministering and chilling. When I'm ministering, I may act like I'm chilling, but my defenses are always up. Always up. Always. As opposed when I'm around the saints, defenses go down. Why? Because I need a safe place, uh, Samson, to lay my head. I need a safe place to, to, to lay my thoughts. And people may not, and, and, and folk around me not try to exploit my thoughts or exploit my, my, my vulnerability. But when I'm around those who are unbelievers, and I have unbelievers that I minister to, and then I have some unbelievers in my life that we are great business, we do business together, I'm gleaning from them. So those individuals, all we talk about is business. I don't care how you treat your wife and how you do your wife. This is how I treat my wife, and this is how I treat my family. Do you understand? So it's business or ministry. And I want to encourage you, if you're serious about your relationship with God, you need to walk a little bit more careful than how you walk in. It was a very tough decision. It was a very, I, I, I cut him off for the gospel's sake. I cut him off for Jesus' sake. It was a very tough decision because when I met him, we both had a zeal for God. We both had a zeal for our family. We, had a both, we both had a zeal for, 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 for ministry. And you made a choice to walk away from the initial thing that brought us together. When you made that choice, we can no longer chill, but I, can, I minister to you all day long. But the vulnerability and the relaxation that I used to have with you, I can't have that no more. Again, I don't care if you left your wife for another man or if you left her for a woman. I, there has been a line drawn in the sand. And while I'm out there, let me go on and say that. Homosexuality is not a civil rights issue. I know it's quiet in here. I don't even care. It's not a civil you mistreating black folk ears, because I ain't have no choice to be born this way. I was born black. It was a time I did want to be white, Jeff. <laughs> I really did. I wanted to be white. I was young. I wanted wavy hair. You understand? All my friends had curly hair. I had nappy hair. I had curls, sis, but it was tight. <laughs> when a man chooses to love another man, that's a choice. A woman chooses to love another, that's not a civil rights issue. And there are some of you all, you mixing your politics with the Bible. Don't do that. Don't do that. We're living in a society where everybody's trying to be politi politically correct. 
And so I don't have a, people ask me all the questions. They ask me questions all the time, like, what's your, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? What's your thoughts on that? So as a man of God, I don't have thoughts. I just got to find out what the Bible say and stand on what the Bible say about it. I mean, that's it. Find out what the scripture says and then just stand up. Am, am I helping anybody in this place? So I made a choice for the gospel's sake and for Jesus' sake to bring separation. And it happens. This week I made a choice. I don't travel, I don't travel a lot at all. I really don't. And there are invitations that I turn down. And whenever I do have an engagement, usually I try. A minister gave me this wisdom years ago, years, years ago. He said, because he, he traveled a lot, and I said, how, how do you minister and travel and keep your family connected? He says, whenever you can bring your family, bring them with you. Okay, well, you preaching, and they don't want to come to church. It's all right. Bring them kids with you because it keeps you connected. Well, this week I made a decision for the gospel's sake. I didn't just go to preach. It was, an, it was a divine assignment, and my wife and my kids could not be with me for four days. So I had to, in essence, leave my family for four days. It was things going on at the house, and all I could do was pray for them. But watch this. My prayers even, had, my, even my prayers had to be short because I was on assignment. So there was a four days I had to forsake my own family. So, so, so here is my confidence when I have to make hard choices, not for Greg, for the kingdom of God's sake, for the gospel's sake, for, for Jesus' sake. Here, here, is, here, is, here is my comfort. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or feels for me and the gospel, look, look what happened verse number 30, will receive a hundred times as much, everybody shout in the present age. What exactly does that mean? I'm standing on the word. What? <laughs> My God, I better not go there. But I'm standing on the word that whatever I lack relationally for four days, God's going to give it back to me a hundred times as much. My wife said, oh, Lord. <laughs> I feel like T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Everybody shout, it's coming back a hundred times. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to say this boldly. This rich young ruler was a fool. He was a fool. Because Jesus, my man, Jesus just told his disciples that the, the riches that he worked so hard to earn, if he would have gave it up, I would have gave it back to him a hundred times more. And now some of you all in here, Jesus is asking you for your, he's asking you for your Isaac. He's asking you for your sacrifice. And I, ooh, man, let, let me just say it like this. There's a whole level, there's a whole nother level of commitment that God is asking some of y'all for. And it's weighing on you and it's hard to give up. Let me show you the other reason why it's hard to give up. It ain't just the value of the stuff. Because anything, when you really commit to Jesus... You would think committing to Jesus would make life easy. Are y'all with me in this place? I'm going to say, you would think selling, like if I really sold out to Jesus, like for the rest of my days, everything would be, I mean, just cool. But that ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said, go to the next, next verse, uh, verse 30, but the second slide of 30. 
If you give it up for my sake, you'll receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with what, y'all? That's why some of y'all tripping. You know if you really sell out to God, the persecution is coming. What's persecution? Persecution is defined as hostility and ill treatment, especially of the, the bias of ethnicity, religious beliefs, or personal value. You know if you really sell out to God, the persecution is coming. Your haters are coming. Your enemies going to rise up. You already know if you really sell. Some of y'all are experiencing it right now coming to this church. They hating on you because you ain't at the family church. Now, you know mama will turn over in her grave if she know you left the, the, the great southern first of united of the whatever. <laughs> and it's persecution just simply being here. They trip on you every, y'all, y'all, you going to church again? Hold on, a prophetic revival, what's prophetic revival? What, what is all that? Didn't you go Thursday night? You going Thursday and Friday night. Now, watch this. They ain't asked you about your money. They ain't asked you about your money when you was buying uh, drinks for everybody. But now all of a sudden they got a problem. Now, you, oh, you're giving money to the church now. Some of y'all in here know if you really sold out to God, if you really gave up the things that you consider valuable to you, then there's certain persecution that's associated with the sacrifice of following Jesus. So this is what I want to do. I, I want to go back to Philippians chapter number three, verse number four, because I want to give you a credible example of somebody who actually sold out to God for real. I'm talking about like, like he really, like he, like he had a whole bunch going on for himself. So to follow Jesus mean literally he had to give up everything that he knew, everything that he believed, everything that he valued to follow Jesus. But look at his attitude. The great apostle Paul, Philippians chapter number three, verse number four. The Bible declares, though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason, somebody shout this good. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, he's getting ready to give his resume, verses 5, 6, and 7. He says, circumcise on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law I'm of, the, I'm of the highest sect when it comes to Judaism. I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, perfection, flawless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider what, y'all? I consider it a loss for the sake of Christ. Hmm. Hmm. Eight declares, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, he looked at them, he says, everything I've achieved is garbage to me. Why is it garbage? That I may gain Christ. Ten, this is crazy. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power. Everybody shout the power. Let's pause that for a second because the man of God is saying, I understand that there is an authority, there is a dunamis, there's an exousias, there's a power in Jesus Christ that I can only gain in him through relationship. Now, now, now let, me, let me pause that for a second. I want to I want to I minister to my elders, to my deacons, to my ministers, to those who feel they have a call of God upon your, your life. L listen, listen, if you consider me to be um, a spiritual father or a spiritual mentor, understand the power of my flow. 
You got two forms of flowing. You have, you have a flow that depends heavily on charisma and giftedness. Charisma and giftedness. So my spiritual gifts connect with the spirit of another individual. My charisma, it, 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 it massages the souls of individual. But then there's another form or there's another flow that people operate in, and it's not based on gifts and charisma. It's only based on intimacy with God. So you serve under a leader that my power, I rely not on my gifts and charisma, but I rely on my intimacy with God. So with, whenever my flow is off, it's only because my relationship is off. And I'm telling you today, my God today, relying on gifts and charisma alone will drain you and cause you to have an early death. But if you're going to truly rely on the power and the flow of the Holy Ghost, that comes not by what he gives you, but that comes by what you have with him. So Paul says, I want that kind of power that comes from having a relationship with God. But not only does he say, I want the power of the resurrection, chapter number three, verse number 10, reading this out of the KJV, he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, but I also want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Everybody shout fellowship of his suffering. Fellowship of his suffering. Understand. Paul says there's some things that you won't learn about God on the mountaintop. It's some things you're only going to learn about him in the valley. You're going to have to go through suffering. You're going to have to go through some challenging times. You're going to have to go through haters, folk hating on you and folk talking about you and folk scandalizing your name. There's, that's the thing. My God, today, I, I received the word from the man of God, Apostle Young. He, he began to prophesy to me and tell me all the things that God was getting ready to do. And he says, I need to warn you, though. I need to warn you because the next level means new devils. Don't think that God is going to allow you to flow on this level without the suffering that comes with this level. And I'm talking to somebody here today that your, your, your drive, um, your, your, your intimacy with Christ is on pause because you're comfortable at the level you are. And you know if I take it, oh God help me, in if I take it to the next level, more haters, more pressures, more persecution, more suffering go come at that level. But Paul says, bump all of this. I'm counting it as loss because I want to reach the next level. I'm embracing not only the power of his resurrection, I'm going to go ahead and give notice to the devil. I'm embracing the fellowship of his suffering as well. Watch this. I, I, I was informed, and it ain't the first time. I was informed. I was informed that there were some witches that came into the church, witches that came into the church. I was informed. Watch this. You, if we weren't doing nothing powerful, you think they'd be showing up? I mean, come on now. I mean, for, if, if they're assigned to this church, and that's why the intercessors need to be praying. That's why you need to be praying and not playing. Praying and not playing. One of my mentors, he told me a story of, of, of some musicians that was traveling with him. He took them to Africa, and he told them to fast and to pray, fast and to pray. And they, 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 didn't, they didn't consecrate themselves. They had very, very loose lives. Watch this. They got over there with that type of power. Come on, somebody. And one of them wound up dying, dying, an unnatural death. Why? 
Because if you got some spiritual enemy working something on you, oh my God, help me today. You need to be in an ark of safety. You need to be in a spiritual place with God. And just because you got to get out of hell free pass, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. Just because you got to get out of hell free pass, that doesn't mean that that pass just automatically blocks the attacks of the enemy. You need to spiritually fortify yourself. So if witches and warlocks are coming in here now, I understand why they're coming. If we've, if we've been exalted to another level, new level means new devils. And now some of you all, I have to say, you're just satisfied on this level right here because you fought enough. You fought enough. You fought enough. Lord, I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm, I don't want to go through nothing. The devil is a liar. I not only want more power, I'm going to go ahead and say, God, bring on the suffering. It is okay. If it's going to bring me into a greater relationship. Oh, oh yeah, let, me, let me pause. Because I ain't get no amens when I said that. <laughs> it was quiet up in here. <laughs> it was quiet up in here. Yup. Yup. Tillman sent me a video. T sent me a video. Uh, what you was lifting, 225, Tillman? 225, 225, 225. And he lifted like six or seven times. And he was like, man, you need to get to this. I'm like, I ain't there yet, but I'm going to get there. I got there and I sent him a video. I watched it to get to, get to get to that. It was painful. It was painful. It was painful. Every week, going up two, two and a half pounds. Every week, going up two and a half pounds. Painful. Walking around, chest hurting, arms hurting. But guess what? I got to the level. Even in the gym, they say, no pain, no what? So why is it that you're trying to stop gaining? Even worse, why is it that you want to gain in the natural but not in the spiritual? And that's what some of y'all have. You want more money, but you don't want more Jesus. You want more things, but you don't want a closer relationship. When the scripture declares, the scripture gives us the wisdom, if we actually really want more, you got to do it in reverse order. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be what, y'all? Are y'all with me in this place? Thank you, Jesus. Let's get to this. So Paul says, I want to know him not just in the power of the resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his suffering. Look what he says in verse number 13. I'm almost done and I'm out. Man, I'm preaching too long. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but... This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press. Everybody shout, I press. That's what God is wanting you to do for him. I want you to press, 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 press. Everybody shout, press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hold up, chat. Hold on, hold on. 15 declares, all of us then, Paul says, first of all, 14, 14, he says, I press. 15, he's going to say, since I'm pressing, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. I want you to press as well. And listen, I'm telling you today, your pastor is pressing. Your pastor is pressing. This message that I'm ministering to you, it hit me first because, Pop, I was in a comfortable place in my life, and I know if I accept what it is that God wants to do in me, I already know there's certain persecution, there's certain relationships that's going to be altered because of my pressing to the things of God. 
But he says, if you mature, I want you to have the same view. Verse number seven, join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters. Now, now I'm, I'm almost done, but I need you to hear what God is saying. God, God is saying, God is saying, God is saying, um, I want to be your Lord for real. Are, are y'all hearing me? God is saying, I want to be the Lord of your life for real. And not for play. Not just, I'm glad I ain't going to hell. But I want to be in the driver's seat to navigate your life. Now, now, now watch this. I was in prayer the other day. I think it was Friday. Friday or Saturday, I was in prayer. And I asked God to give me a word. I said, God, I want to speak. I want to speak your word. I want to speak your word. Give me something for the people. And, and this, I'm, I'm getting ready to read something to you that God gave to me the other day. I heard him say, I created this world for you because I love you. This place was supposed to be a habitation for my children and me. I never intended to just abide in you. My intent was to walk with you every day in the cool of the day. So even what we have right now, although it's great, that wasn't God's original in intent. It was not to abide on the inside of us as the Holy Spirit does now. His original intent was to walk with his children every day in the garden in the cool of the day. Watch this. But sin and Satan contaminated my dwelling place, so I decided to redeem you but not the world. Now, no, let, me, let me add to this. I decided to redeem you, not this world. Make it plain. God says, I want to redeem my people, not this planet. God has made a decision because of what sin and Satan have done to this planet is to destroy it, create a new heaven and a new earth, and bring his people to that habitation and dwelling. I'm telling you, this place is going to completely burn. It's going to completely be destroyed. Why would God do such a thing? If he's God and he made it, he has the right to do whatever he wants to do with it. And we should be grateful that he chose, although not to redeem the planet, he chose to at least redeem us so we don't have to perish with the planet. Because of sin, you were locked into this world. This is what you need to know. This world that's going to catch fire one day, because of sin, you were locked into it. You were going to have to burn with it because of sin. But Jesus says, this is what I heard him say. I paid sin's ransom to take you with me to the new heaven and earth I have created. I made a payment. Sin would not let you go without Jesus paying its price. What's the ultimate price? The price was the wages of sin is what, y'all? So Jesus had to die, and not only was it important for him to die, he had to prove mastery over the power of Satan and sin. He had to be resurrected. So it wasn't enough just to suffer. He had to die 
pay sin's ransom, and then overturn the power of sin and Satan. So he died, and he rose again. I paid sin's ransom to take you with me to the new heaven and earth I have created. All you have to do is believe in what I had to do to pay sin's ransom. Now, let's, let's pause there. That's the first thing. You, you just have to believe that the price I said I had to pay was what I had to pay. Yep. I, 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 bought, I bought my dad a shirt. He, he was looking at a shirt, and um, he said he liked it. He wanted one, so I went in. I went and picked it up, and um, Pop, the, the shirt I just gave you was $36. You believe that? <laughs> you hesitated, but <laughs> Sister Kathy, it took him a minute, but he, it was $36. Do, do you believe it? I'm telling you, that's how much I paid for it. It wasn't, it wasn't on sale for 10. It wasn't on sale for 15 to 20. <laughs> now, it was on sale because the original price was 50. But I didn't pay 20. I paid $36. Will you believe that that price, that was the price? Jesus is saying, I had to pay the price to be beat, spit on, crowns of thorns put on my head, pierced in my side, pierced in my hands, pierced in my feet, publicly displayed, naked on the cross, died, three days later rose again. I had to pay that price to get you out of sin's grip so that I can take you to the, next heaven, to the new heaven and to the new earth. The question is, everybody, everybody just shout, do you believe that? Believe Say it again, do you believe that? Do, do, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor to the left and right and just ask him, do you believe that? So, all you have to do is believe in what I had to do to pay sin's ransom. And here's the second part. Renounce self-rule, sin rule, Satan rule, and confess me as your new Lord. Let me give you the scriptural context. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is what, y'all? Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hold the scripture on the screen because I need you to hear my heart. This first part, believing in your heart, many of us don't have a problem with that. We don't have a problem with that because we believe in the story of the cross as a historical event, just like we believe Martin Luther King was a real man, although I've never met him. Abraham Lincoln was a real man. So we don't have a problem believing but there's two components to this particular scripture. Believing that he actually had to pay that value. But the second thing is you actually have to declare him as Lord. Now, there's some people in here sitting. Oh, I'm coming after you. You think you saved, but you actually ain't. And because I'm your pastor and I really love you, I got to tell you the truth. Because you actually think you saved, but today if you close your eyes for the final time, you will realize that you've been deceived. Because the only thing that you actually did was just believe that he died, but you never acknowledged him as Lord. There's never, when, you, when you actually look back in your history, you never did really ask him to be the Lord of your life. 
I believe he died. Yeah, you died on the cross. I believe you three days you, and, and you rose again and, and you see all power in your hand. You, there's, there's times I'm sitting down, some, of my, some guys, when I, when I hear them, you know, preach that Easter sermon, I can go right there with them. And you can too. You can tune up at the end right there with them because you know the story and you believe it. But the scripture for salvation's sake doesn't just say believe. It says you got to make him your Lord. Next slide, please. This is what it means for him to be Lord. It's a place when you come in your life where you say, Jesus, I'll do whatever you say. Now, come on now. Come on. Some of y'all have never gone there. You've never never called Jesus master. And he don't want to just be your friend. He wants to be your master. He don't want to just be your buddy that bails you out of trouble. Helps you when you get in difficult time. He says, in order for me to take you from this world to the new one that I created, I got to be your Lord. And this is what it means for Jesus to be your Lord. It's when you come to the place where you say, Jesus, I will do whatever you say. Whatever you say, I relinquish the power of my own will. I'm doing whatever you say. Now, I'm not just going to leave you like this to go home and to debate about this thing. Some of you all will leave and just debate about it, and that's okay. Who are you after today, Pastor McGee? I'm after the brother or the sister that's been on the fence of their salvation for a minute. And they know that I need to give 100 to God because I've been giving 100 to everybody and everything else. But I haven't actually given Jesus the lordship of my life to the point where I tell him, I will do whatever you say. And God says today, I want to save you. I want to save you. I want to save you. But I want to save you my way, not your way. What is your way? Your way is trying to be a better person. Your way is doing charitable, charitable things. Your way is trying to be sensitive and do and just No, 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 no. That's your way. My way is believe the price I paid for you was real and submit to me as a servant and ask me to be your Lord. Now, let me tell you why some of you all are on the fence of lordship. Because you ain't sure where he going to take you yet. You ain't sure what he's going to ask you to give up. Some of y'all like the rich young ruler. You like what? Some of y'all, the opposite of rich young ruler. Well, if he asked me to give money, I can get that. I can get that. I've been broke before. I'll be broke again. I get more money. I'm good. I get, I get that. But whatever he asks you for, it's always a thing that's connected actually to your heart. And he knows what that is. Yeah. 